Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. If you have an alien abduction experience, can you fight back? What if they fight back? Is the abduction experience what it appears to be? Hello and welcome to the 897th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, uh, coming to you from WON AM and FM radio here in uh, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and on the Paranormal Radio app, uh, along with uh, my father here, my partner in the paranormal, and all of those way out questions came from him. And today we bring you a new guest with some unusual ideas on a subject we've often covered. Well, first of all, very happy Memorial Day weekend. I have a little flag. This is the uh, only American flag with 15 stripes. It was the um, War of 1812 when they realized that they couldn't keep adding stripes if they added states because it would look the no seamstress in the country would forgive them. That'd be an insanely large flag. So in any case, uh, happy Memorial Day weekend to our American listeners and a very profound thank you to all those who gave their lives so that we could be here with the freedom to do everything that we all do. Never take their sacrifices for granted because if you do, we will lose everything. Don't think we won't. Anyway. And also, thank you for your service, Father. Well, th- thank you. That's more for veterans. <laughs> but yeah, still. I appreciate but, that. Hey, yes. you know, we got to remember everybody. We, we do. Thank you. Thanks to all who are serving now, too. Uh, coming to us via Skype today is author and experiencer Lisa O'Hara. Lisa holds a bachelor's degree in business administration from the, Saint, uh, the San Jose State University in California, where she lived until 2011. She worked for many years in law firms, ending up a network administrator in other industries. After retirement, she discovered that she was a psychic medium and an ET abductee. After reading the book Incident at Devil's Den, she wrote to author uh, Terry Lovelace, and he encouraged her to write her own book detailing her abduction experiences. She did, and that book turned out to be Abducted and Furious, How I Fought Back and How You Can Too. Lisa now lives in Chandler, Arizona, where we or I spoke about 14, 12 or 13 years ago. It was you. I, I couldn't go to school. All right, okay, it was yeah. me. Anyway, uh, I don't think you were there, Lisa. That would have been a cool coincidence. But anyway... Um, so, Lisa Let's, O'Hara, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Ooh. Up, oh, do we have you there, Lisa? Oh, we uh, we had the audio a minute ago. Why don't you check on that, Ben? We did indeed. <coughs> uh, All right, well, you work on that. Well, Dad, the pl- okay. <laughs> please take it away while All we right, work well, on this. Okay, well, well, one of the issues with uh, alien abduction phenomena, if they, it is what it appears to be, is that people will be paralyzed they will wake up and they will see uh little gray p- uh, figures by their beds as a matter of fact in in 1973 i was in the seminary i was assisting a priest with an uh, with an uh several well several exorcisms at the st lawrence state hospital in upstate new york and uh there was a very strange uh uh coincidence there i don't know if it was a coincidence but the five of the seven people we were working with said that they had uh, seen strange little figures by their beds. Now, their their problem was supposed to be demons, as, we, as I thought in those days, and uh, the exorcism was supposed to be the cure for that. But I, I mentioned to the priest that, you know, these people are seeing what amount to aliens. I mean, even in those days, the, the, little, the grays were 
uh, sort of more or less known. And the priest said, well, really don't pay any attention to them because it's uh, they're, they're inmates at a state hospital. So, you know. Uh, so, Lisa, th- do we have you with us? I believe so. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. look at that. Good. I'm saved. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, Lisa, welcome to the show. Uh, ben, take it away with the first question, please. Sure. So I guess we'll, we'll start with, with an easy question. Um, in your book, you report being abducted every night. So how did you find that out, and uh, what was abducting you, and why? Um, how, I think I found out because I was uh, going to a psychic medium at the time, and um, she, that's what she said. And also, uh, my clothes had a funky smell uh, every day, so I realized that I was getting abducted more times than I thought. So I I found that out because um, I just noticed that my clothes started smelling like B.O. and feet all the time. Even if I had gotten them out of the clothes dryer um, or folded up in the laundry room. And so I, um, you know, started making the connection that um, my clothes were telling a tale. So I would pull them out the dryer. They smelled fine like they were supposed to. And then the next day they would all smell kind of funny. And um, so I, I, I started putting two and two together. It took me a little while because uh, actually it took me an absurdly long time if you think about it because I didn't realize that I was... Um, you know, I just thought it was normal stuff and that I didn't, um, put, put the, put the two together for a very long time. I kept trying different things, you know, adding more laundry detergent, moving the clothes right away. But no matter what I did, those clothes still smelled. And what was the other question? (laughs) Uh, well, I I guess the, the question would be, um, well, that, I guess it makes sense how you found out. So what was abducting you and why? Uh, I'm not sure about why, but I know that I was, um, you know, I thought I was being tortured because I kept having very scary dreams. And uh, what was abducting me was praying mantis. Oh, that, that's like the Tom Reed case. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah, the, the, the certain um, uh, insect-like. In fact, when Tom was on the show, he gave us a uh, uh, an artist's rendering of what these look like, and you'd probably recognize it, Lisa. Uh, okay, well, well, we'll get back to that. Now, on the clothes issue, I saw that in your book, very interesting. The implication being that you were involved in some sort of um, uh, physical exertion that would have created sweat and everything else. Uh, if, if these things took place at night, or, or, or did they just take place at night? Did they take place during the day? Did you have missing time? In other words, why would you have been wearing those clothes during an abduction? I don't know. I mean, I I hope it's because I was not wearing clothes when I was in bed. But, um, you know, it seemed like it was always my favorite clothes. So, I mean, I felt like I picked them, I put them on because I didn't want to be naked. Because a lot of times you'd hear about abduction scenarios where they're on the ship and they have people with clothes on and people without clothes. And so, and I think people, a lot of people wonder about that. Like, why don't they have clothes? It's because they went to bed without clothes. That's, that's my. <laughs> There's a certain logic there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the, uh, were you living alone at the time of these incidents or were there other family members whose laundry was with yours? Um, no, because my husband has his own closet and, um, you know, folds up all of his clothes all the time. <laughs> His clothes were fine. Kind of throw around, yes. Okay, all right. That's that I'm the only one. All right. Uh, 
Uh, <clears throat> we want to get into how you fought back, but we have a, a couple of listener questions here that, that will you probably uh, answer that um, uh, by means of them. So we have Peter from Bogota, Colombia. Good old Peter. Good old Peter. Yes. Yes. And And what does Peter have to ask today? He has three questions specifically. So we'll take them one at a time. Um, So Peter writes to us. uh, Please ask Lisa if she has had contact with MUFON to investigate her case uh, or share her abduction fighting techniques. And if so, what happened? Uh, um, I have been in contact with MUFON, but they only seem interested in collecting experience or stories. So I did contact them. I told him my story, and an experiencer, technician, for lack of a better word, um, contacted me and talked to me. Actually, she, um, who wants to remain anonymous, she also told me to write my book. So, um, But that was it. They didn't really investigate my case. I guess in abduction scenarios, what is there to investigate? Well, I, mean, the, uh, <laughs> I think the, the person uh, we would... Recommended maybe the one you spoke with is uh, Kathy Marden, who is uh, not only the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, but is MUFON's uh, chief uh, national investigator of, of abduction research and is a dear friend of ours and a, a sometime guest co-host on this show. So um, we're happy to put you in touch with her if that you would, aren't already. So, we'll, but that's for off the air. Okay. Okay. Uh, ben, what's um, Peter's second question? So, Peter also writes, uh, if the aliens have the power to wipe your mind, uh, couldn't they wipe your mind of the brown uh, fighting techniques to defeat you? Well, before we answer that, we haven't gotten into into the, the techniques that uh, Lisa yeah, maybe has. We should, uh, maybe we should maybe, ask well, that first. Well, why don't we do that for background, and then, then uh, she can answer Peter's question. Yes. So, what are these techniques to fight back? One is to uh, get this book by Stuart Swordlow, who was an abductee, also a um, you know Montauk boy, and uh, also this. His, this is his other book, Hyperspace Helper. Oh, okay. That's uh, those are the two books that I used of his. Uh, the one tool is called the Brown X. It's actually on the cover here. Okay. And um, so. It's kind of like, and also the hyperspace helper has an exercise in it called the green spiral staircase. And what it allows you to do is look behind your screen memories, because I believe that um, screen memories are created or dreams are created by the by your body to, for, by your own mind to deal with the um, the memories that before your brain wipe. So I started using that to look behind what was really happening and uh, try to piece everything together. Okay. So uh, let me get clear on this. So you wake up and there's uh, there's a bunch of greys uh, smiling at you from around your bed. What um, what do you do? I mean, how, how do you, you know, maybe you can't move. I mean, what, what's, what, what's the um, technique to, to actually, avoid them taking you somewhere? Well, you can have to fight back after you've been abducted, unfortunately, because there's just no way to know um, what's really going on. And I didn't have a lot of greys, but I saw quite a few praying mantis, and they had their ways of just abducting you uh, by knocking you out right away. And when I saw one, I wasn't afraid, I wasn't, or I was fascinated by what I was looking at, but I wasn't... um, 
I wasn't paralyzed. So, I mean, these are weird stories. And at first, I didn't want to tell everybody this because I am not of the norm, you know. So um, they come to me and they give me a little, like a mosquito bite, like a little pinprick onto, onto my arm, and then I fall asleep. So I don't even have a chance to see anything right away. And then I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and um, I know something's happened. I feel that dread, but I actually don't know. I don't know, and I wasn't awake during that time. Okay, so when when do you actually fight back? You fight back by um, dealing with what you see in your mind after the abduction. Oh, I see. So to prevent future abductions, right? Oh, it's not, I mean, it's not like you use Taekwondo or something when you're on whenever chamber they have. Okay, I get. It. All right. Okay. Uh, well, what's the um, what what about the question, uh, Lisa? Then perhaps you can restate it. Sure. Uh, so if aliens have the power to wipe your mind, uh, couldn't they wipe your mind of the brown X fighting techniques to defeat you? Um, I think they could, yeah. They could probably do anything. Yeah. Um, but what I was do since I was doing it after the fact, um, then I was brown Xing them um, with, uh, you know, so that they couldn't come into my sphere. <laughs> you know, they were gone. And so... Um, they could. They could probably do anything. But, but, but I, nevertheless, I just, it seems to have worked. Yes. Okay. And then the third question? Uh, so the third question, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, have you attempted to ask the beings why exactly they are taking your eggs? For what ultimate purpose? And if hybrids, why hybrids? Um, well, there's one right behind I, I you. Actually, I don't really know why they took my eggs. Um but I, I've, it's interesting, when I was in California, and I lived there for quite a long time, every about four times a month, the whole time I lived there, people would come up to me and say, you look just like, you know, my aunt. You look just, you know, or you look like my boyfriend's girlfriend. girlfriend. Um, and so I, but then when I moved to Arizona, nobody ever says that to me. Hmm. So I started to wonder if that was like a clone situation where my eggs were used for clones. So, um, Gee, but, people tell uh, me I look like somebody they know all the time. Do they? I was Four in a supermarket in Florida one time, and somebody said, hello, judge. <laughs> I look just like the uh, one of the Pinellas County judges, apparently. So that's, uh, that's weird. I mean, you did get away with uh, being called, um, oh, geez, now I'm blanking. Oh, yeah, I'm the old man. What oh, jeez. No. Uh, come on. Directed E.T. Come on. E.T.? What, what? Phone home? Or what? No, no. The guy who directed it. Oh, Spielberg. Yes. Steven Spielberg. You got away with being called Steven Spielberg oh, on a that, golf course. I, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> in there. That was so crazy. I've never seen anything like What a good time. That. People thought I was Steven Spielberg. And it went crazy. Anyway, we have uh, Phil, uh, our show reporter on the heart of the Bridgeport, I should say the <clears throat> Litchfield, Connecticut Triangle. And uh, Phil has a few questions for Lisa. Yes. So Phil writes to us, In order to protect ourselves against uh, what may appear to be uh, alien abduction, to what extent do we need to know their agenda? Uh, there must be some reason they are bothering us. What do they want? Yeah, you've been asked that before, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the truth is, I don't know what they actually want. They don't want us to know their agenda. 
but they do I do think they torture us and um and I think that's what they get off on is torturing us and um I think that they kind of are like narcissists in the human world is that they just enjoy hurting us and they get something out of it like fuel or you know enjoyment so that's what I think their agenda is but I don't believe any of the other stories that they're learning from us that I, they need us for their world or any of that because otherwise they should have it by now yeah, you'd think, uh, if that's what, what it's about. Uh, let me work a question in here, because it's really fascinating. Yeah. I was fascinated, Lisa, by your chapter, Abductors and Mimics. Because that word mimics jumped out at me, because I use the word all the time in describing parasites, what traditionally have been thought of as demons. And I've never found them to be that in a theological sense, and I've... In, in cases uh, where poltergeists are there and uh, we thought they were demons, Ed Lorraine Warren and all those folks way back, uh, I just didn't get the impression of that. I get the impression that these were alien in a broad sense of the term. I don't know necessarily from other planets or uh, interdimensional or, or interworld, whatever I think was more more like it. Uh, and many of the, um, the things you describe in that chapter... Um, really hit home with me in the sense of parasites. And people say, well, gee, Paul, you are, you have a, a seminary background. You obviously think that all demons, all, all aliens are demons. Actually, I think pretty much just the opposite, that a lot of the things we've thought of in our folklore, the labels we put on things that reflect our beliefs rather than what the deeper reality might be, um, are, are actually uh, alien in a very broad sense of the term, because totally other, totally non-human. So it sounds as though, I'm wondering, you know, if you were really dealing with, you know, people or beings or whatever, praying mantises from other planets, or whether it was actually a parasitical situation where they were feeding on you and and the rest of us. I mean, what say you on all that? I mean, have you considered that possibility? No, but it does make sense. I mean, when I wrote the book, uh, which isn't that long ago, um, I was in a certain place, and now I'm completely in a different place. And so um, I actually have to re- read my book before these um, radio shows because um, I, you know, I have to go back there and be in that space. No, I have to do uh, the same thing myself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> very often though. I, you know, I'm glad I'm not the only one no. because people. Are, I've just finished your book, and I go, "Me too." Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I agree with you. I do think they are doing that to a certain extent um, because I don't think they really want us to know their agenda because we'd be freaked out by it. But also with the mimicking, um, I just think we are looking at them through our own eyes, through our own experiences. And, you know, so uh, with my medium, who was trying to help me with this in the beginning, um, she was kept saying, send them love, send them love. Well, I don't think that that really works because they're not looking at us as, um, you know, that probably doesn't do anything for them. Um, But it does something for us, you know. Um, but with them mimicking our emotions or, or, you know, trying to gain our trust, that just makes me feel very suspicious. And so, yeah, I agree with you that that is a possibility. 
Well, you know, Lisa, that's another point that really fascinated me was uh, the idea of, you know, sending them blood. Because we've actually, you know, in 50 years of doing this, I've tried just about everything. And uh, I wanted to get into your your experience with the medium as well, because we we have problems uh, very often with how they interpret things. But the uh, the love thing, uh, we uh, we've actually tried uh, sort of being loving and compassionate in the presence of parasites. Or demons, whatever you want to call, or alien, or whatever. And uh, usually we find that it repels them, uh, in, particularly in, in home and family situations, when a family comes together, uh, because apparently they, they feed on, you know, they're part of nature, and they feed on uh, negative uh, emotions, energy. I, mean, I really can't put a scientific finger on but that's what seems to happen. Right. And you fight that by by doing what we call the Peter Pan theory, you know, think happy thoughts. Now, yeah. in your situation, abduction situation, it might not be that simple, but um, we have had mixed results in using that love technique. But you ended up uh, sort of rejecting this medium's advice when it came to that. Could you tell us about that? Um, sure. Um, so, well, I did try everything. I mean, I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. Mm. But so I did everything that she told me to do. Um, I also scoured the web for looking for solutions. And <clears throat> she wanted me to, you know, break my soul contracts. And, you know, she thought I was being a victim and that I wasn't trying hard enough. And I needed to set my sacred space. And we cleared Akashic records. And um, I had what my husband called a manifesto where I would say it out loud every night that I had my right to free will, and I had my right to my sovereignty, and I demanded that I not be taken, and everything. I mean, I tried everything. <clears throat> but what I determined after a short time, or actually a little while, um, that was that none of that was actually working for me. And so it was still happening. And um, so I eventually just realized I had to find my own solutions. But when I did tell her about it, she was very, like, dismissive. Hmm. And so she wanted me to follow her. She didn't want me to, I think, think for myself. So she, you know, got really upset with me and and I with her because I thought that we could work together and I could share these tools with her and we could be a kind of a collaboration where she would, when she had people that came in with abduction scenario problems, that we could work together and do some experimentation, but she didn't want that, so so that's what happened with that. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm trying to think if uh, Phil has another question. Here. He does. Yes. Uh, let me get the piece of paper that has his questions upon it. Um, it's, it is it is actually interesting because it, it does kind of tie into what we've been talking about, which is if these entities are indeed space aliens, uh, that suggests they are traveling through space. Is it possible that these entities may be time travelers and not space travelers? Uh, just wondering. And uh, he said, of course, uh, all uh, time is all perpetually present, so it does get confusing. And that's his question. <coughs> Slash <Wow>. statement. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I wish I knew. There are so many unknowns, and that's what one of the problems you know, trying to come up with something that works for you um, is that there are so many um, different and strange things that are going on all at the same time. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah, anything's possible. Um, but I wish I knew more about what exactly is truth. And that's what I've been searching for this whole time is what is the truth? What is really happening? Um, when I wrote this book, I wrote it for other people, too, so that they could have a leg up on what worked for me and maybe work, make, make it work for themselves. I mean, you do bring up a really interesting point, and and this is something that I've I've brought up to to many a guest and and colleague that um, you know we we're we're human beings, right? You know, we barely we barely can understand what other other human beings are going through, and um, you know, so when I when I when I hear possible motives or, or understandings, because inevitably, whenever we do a question on or, or do a show on abduction. One of the main questions that's always asked, whether it's by us, by 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 listeners, whoever, is you know why, and that's that's the ultimate question: who are they, and why why are they doing it? And you know, sometimes you get an answer that's something to the effect of, um, "Well, they're here to heal the planet." And it's like, "Well, if they're if they're from a distant planet, why do they care?" And and it's and another another question is oh well they don't want us to kill each other and it's like okay well if that's the case then we're still doing it so they're doing a terrible job. <laughs> um, and then uh, some of the other answers are well you know they're here to harvest us and create hybrids and it's like well why if they're advanced species then what's what's the point? And it's it's interesting because all of these these questions and answers that we've heard are typically from a human perspective. Because we can't know something that's outside of ourselves, right? I barely know myself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we can only know things. By... I'll fill you in when you have a chance. Okay, thanks, Dad. Sorry. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, you know, that's why you're here. You can tell me things that I don't know, <laughs> and vice versa. Um, so the, but the the interesting thing is, we really only know how how something interacts with the perceived reality around us, right? So I know my dad by how he interacts with the world. I know that he brings flags and he into into the station here and there it is. He loves he's a very patriotic person. He cares about this country, he cares about his family. And at the end of the day, I can know how he interacts with with me and everybody else, but I can't know my dad. Because only he knows himself, right? He knows his being. We cannot know otherworldly beings. All we know is how they interact with us. And how they interact with us, it doesn't seem to be positive. (laughs) Nine times out of ten. I mean, that's not always the case, right? Sometimes we've heard positive things, too, out of it. But again, it comes down to the perception of something else's actions. And that's really all we can kind of know at the end of the day. And also, I know they were coming up on our half-hour break. Yes, very good. Very good transition there, Ben. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM and all sorts of other places today. Uh, and we will be right back with our great guest, Lisa O'Hara, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. 
And we're back on WOON 1240 AM and FM, and it's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. And we're with Lisa O'Hara, author, researcher, and experiencer, and we're going to continue our questions on the alien abduction phenomenon. So... Did, were you done? Oh, I was. Uh, my monologue was coming down into, into a question. Yes. Um, and eventually, I will. Fi- I will remember what the question was. Um, I believe I was getting the point. I was getting to after getting getting through. You know, the whole essence and energies argument. You know, postulated by Aristotle, because hmm. you can't really know the essence of something because we weren't there to experience it, right? So it's like we can't really know the answers to what aliens are doing because we don't know the essence of what they're doing. Um, which is kind of the whole the whole thing there. So in this in this case, right, you know, every answer could be correct, and the the experience that you've had, Lisa, has definitely been something something super. It, it's interesting. One of the things that I, I really I really thought was was kind of like something that stood out from everything else I've ever heard was how sort of the 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 world around you kind of changed. When you started experiencing these things, you have strange smells, all that stuff, which we've seen in poltergeist cases, mm. and that's that's a fun little parallel to kind of draw in between there. But my my question is kind of this: What led you to a a, a psychic medium? What was kind of like the jump from my clothes kind of smell weird to, all right, I'm going to go see a medium? Um, actually, it started with a medium because um, I started having um, issues. Issues, or I, I started with um, thinking I was a medium, and I went to a medium to talk to her about my mother who had passed away, and she said, "You're just like me," you know. So I'm like, "Okay." So I said, "Okay, well then, teach me how to become a practicing medium because I don't really know how it works." Um, I would get messages from my mom, and you know, and very insistent to you know, write it down and say it just this certain weight for a message to someone. And so at the time, I just thought, this is really weird, and I don't know if it's real. And secondly, <clears throat> I don't know what to, how to turn it on, how to turn it off. So I just thought I should go to someone who knows these things and learn about it. Um, so I did, and um, that's how I came to go to the medium. Then, after I was at the medium for a while, probably working on becoming a practicing medium for about six months, that's when I found out that um, this was happening to me, and um, I decided not to go with mediumship, because mediumship is extremely, um, I think it's really scary, not for the messages you get, but to try to gain um, entrance to that world and not pick up anything negative. Um, and also bring it back to your house. Um, but also, just the responsibility of being a medium is is really hard, I think, and I, kudos to all mediums, because it is a very difficult thing. You have to say what you hear in your mind, <laughs> and not, um, or if you see them, I, I never saw anything. Um, but, um, and then, hope, it's right. So I just found... The stress of it all just too much for me, and I didn't want to go that route. And then once I found out that I was being abducted, I just wanted to focus on that. And so I decided not to continue with the mediumship and just go forward with the abduction scenario problem. 
that's an excellent point about mediums. Uh, I certainly agree. Uh, one, one of the other <laughs> issues is is uh, you know where is the information coming from? Is it true? You know, is something trying to manipulate you? Is it <laughs> your friends from wherever they're from? You know, right. um, Lisa, when you were having the abduction experiences, and this is a big thing with us. Did you get the impression they considered you to be an equal or an ant? So yeah, an ant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they were going to take me, and it didn't matter what I said. I mean, I have some a scenario in the book where, you know, somebody showed up to because my legs started throbbing after a um, mm-hmm. after being cut on the leg, and um, it just it was fine, and then it suddenly started throbbing. And that's when I saw the praying mantis, and she was trying to get me telepathically to go to her ship to fix my implant, you know, to fix my leg. And um, she just kept pushing it, you know, you need to come to my ship, you need to come to my ship. You know, it's like, well, why do you need me to go to your ship? You could do something right here, <laughs> you know. Um, so I really started wondering about why, you know, the need to get me on that ship. And yeah. it was a weird experience. So a a lack of compassion, a lack of respect? Yes, absolutely. All right. Yeah, she was going to take me regardless. She acted like she wanted my permission uh, or she wanted my okay, but the truth is I did my leg, what didn't hurt the next day, and you know what I mean? So she did take me. She made me go to sleep right away so so she could do what she wanted. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned in the book uh, The Implant. Can you tell us about that and when you noticed that and what it did? Um, I can't remember. What did I say? <laughs> well, you said it was in the eyeball. Yuck. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I started noticing I had this, you know, when you rub your eye and you can see that little orb? Um, I just started noticing it looked like something in my eye was moving around and it was sort of like a reboot. So it would go like this. And then it would go around the eyeball, and um, and then at night I would I would be looking you know staring at the ceiling, um, and I would see a bright white or yeah kind of a white or greenish greenish white um, orb on the side of my eye, and um, it was on the other the left eye also but mostly the right the right one was extremely um, extremely bright. And um, but I could turn it off if I turned my head to the right, but it always came back on. Um, and so it was just uh, and then it would change. You know, sometimes it would be a different shape. Sometimes it would be striped. Um, and other times it looked like a butterfly and other times it looked like a jellyfish. I mean, it just kept changing shape. Um, and so I kept seeing it and not really know what it was. And, um, you know, trying to get rid of it, basically. Um, I have never been able to get rid of that thing. And uh, What does the optometrist say? They say nothing. They can't see anything. Everything's normal. Oh. And yeah. I actually go to the ophthalmologist because I yeah. do have eye issues. But, no, I also have these really weird spiny things in my eye. Um, kind of looks like a plant, you know, like a fern or something like that. And they'll go around both eye eyeballs so yeah i've gone i went to the uh, ophthalmologist in 2004 um when i um you know first started noticing those little spiny things and they said they looked at through everything they couldn't find anything 
And so um, as far as they know, everything's normal. Well, I guess it could be worse. All right. <laughs> uh, now, when is the last time you had an abduction experience? Um, I had one last night. Last and, night? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm really close to being done with this, actually. So um, it was strange, though. This was the weirdest one um, I've ever had. I mean, you know, you get kind of desensitized after a while, after you see a lot of things. Um, the one last night was strange because, and I don't know if it was an abduction as much as it was just sort of uh, of the mind. So, and that's why I think the Brown X works really well. It's because it's of the mind. But um, this one was, I could tell my body was asleep. So part of me was asleep, and the other part was awake and talking to someone. Okay. This uh, Brown X, can you explain a little a little more fully how it works? Do you visualize it or what? Yeah, there's a, um, there's a little affirmation. It's called, I now Brown X out all unnecessary negativity in my life. And uh, so you can do that, or you can, um, in your, you know, imagine a brown x over everything and so that's what i use i go back using the green spiral staircase to my screen memory which is my dream i look behind it and when you look behind it you can see what's really happening then you can use the brown x everywhere that is negative and you brown x out all negativity all unnecessary negativity so that you can get rid of the unnecessary stuff but it didn't work last night um well i haven't looked at it today so it works but who knows one of the things that i've had problems with is that when i brown x out something now it's gone then another thing shows up to take its place Hmm. it's it's sort of like um you know hitting an anthill i mean how fast can you use your hammer on those ants that are, the fire ants that are coming to crawl up your leg, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, We have a question from uh, Lori, our uh, casting producer in New York. She says, uh, does she have sleep paralysis? Have you ever been diagnosed with that or ever ever experienced it? No? No, I have not. Okay. All right. Well, so much for that. All right. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There's much has been made lately of... um, about uh, UFO sightings and the Pentagon acknowledging they exist and all this stuff, uh, disclosure as it's called, about which we have serious doubts uh, about the, its legitimacy. What's your opinion on all that? Does anything sound familiar in any of this disclosure? It seems to me like there's nothing researchers haven't known for 50 years in anything they're saying. What say you? Yeah, I agree with you, and I think this is a bunch of hype, you know, to finally say, yes, this is true, you're right, and... Um, but I don't think anything of substance will really come out of it. I mean, yeah, they can show us the same, it seems like the same video over and over of a tic-tac, right? Yeah. Uh, in the sight of some ship of some type. But um, I really don't think we'll get a lot more information. But the, uh, but the good thing is, is that people like me maybe gain a little credibility. Hmm. Because, you know, this is a taboo subject. And when you tell people that you've had this experience. I mean, you can see them kind of slowly move away from you. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, you know, you're just considered crazy. And um, But now, with the 
you know, the government finally admitting that this is true, um, I think it will, you know, hopefully eventually gain gain some, not sympathy, but just some credibility. But I, I don't think it'll be anything worth waiting for. Yeah. Because I think it's so interesting that they're trying to say, oh, you know, we're going to give all of our information. Are they? Are they just going to give the stuff that doesn't really mean anything to them? Yeah, you know, we're on a lot of panels at UFO conferences, and everybody will, we have some of the big names will learnedly be saying, oh, well, this is the year for disclosure. And they'll get to us and they'll say, show of hands, who believes what the government says? You know, <laughs> yeah. And everybody groans. So <laughs> that sort of thing. But we'll see, we'll see. Um, before we run out of time here, Lisa, tell us again about your book, your website, where people can find out more. Sure. Um, um, my website is lisaoharaonline.com. My book is uh, Abducted and Furious, How I Fought Back and How You Can Too. It's on Amazon. It's in Kindle and also um, paperback. Um, on Kindle, the photos are better uh, because, you know, paperback doesn't, they're all black and white. Um, uh, my uh, email address is abductedandfurious at yahoo.com. I'm on Facebook. Um, as Abducted and Furious is my group, and uh, Abducted and Furious at Facebook.com is uh, my page. Yeah, I got the book on Kindle, actually, so that, that was um, was good. Now, how can you tell, and this is sort of advice for other people. Ben, did you have a question before I keep going? Um, <clears throat> I did, but it's, it's not entirely related. So I, I feel like you were going to have a nice continuation there. <laughs> of course. All right. Yeah. Um, how can you? What would be your advice for others who believe they are being abducted? What, what signs should they? You know, short of going to a medium, which is tricky, I think. Uh, what signs should they look for, and uh, should they be concerned, and should they look for a support group? Yes, they should look for a support group. Uh, the OpusNetwork.org is an excellent. Um, it's an email um, forum where people talk about their weird problems. Because one of the things that I've noticed is that everyone has unique experiences. And so, um, you know, even in that group, they'll, somebody will say, has anyone had this happen to them? And the answer is no. There's no one in that group who has that exact experience. And I, I always wondered if that was by design. Um, but, um, yes, definitely go to a support group. Uh, I would say be a detective of your own life. Uh, write everything down, write down your dreams, um, just try to, you know, sort through it. Hopefully my book will help you. If it doesn't, go, you know, figure, either you'll have to figure out your own stuff or you'll have to, um, you know, look for, yeah, look for other people that will help you, uh, help you sort it out. Because that's one of the problems. It's so, if they wipe your memory all the time, you, constantly have this um, puzzle to solve and it's really hard but definitely find a support group i think mufon has an experiencer group also and um, it's just good to be able to be yourself and talk about these things uh, without people thinking that you're strange and uh, or you feeling like you can never talk about it because otherwise no one will you know it'll ostracize you yeah now we have a question from charlie 
I always forget where she lives. She lives in Oregon. Yeah, Oregon she, she writes right. in uh, writes in that one. Then. Yes, yes, and she writes to us. Uh, how do our uh, house pets react to uh, abductors? Do aliens pay any attention to cats and dogs? Do our cats and dogs react to the greys and or praying mantis-i, or mantises? Hmm. Yes, they do. Actually, my cat. Um, well, well, one cat hides under the bed, so he's so scared that he hides under the bed. Um, the other one uh, actually yowls and lets me know that there's something there. Um, so she can see it, and uh, she'll also look around, you know, like watching something moving around So uh, in the house. So these are invisible um, ones that I can't see at all. Um, so she, that's how she reacts, um, but my other cat is really scared. Have you ever had any other, what we would call them crossover phenomena, uh, we'll sometimes hear from people who are investigators of abductions and say, well, gee, uh, this person's being abducted uh, frequently, but all of a sudden they're also having poltergeist phenomena in their house or quote-unquote demonic activity. Has that happened to you? Have you had any other paranormal experiences in conjunction with this or early or in your life? Or um, <clears throat> Yes, I have. Um, but, you know, when I was younger, I would have very strange experiences. Some of them were prophetic dreams. Um, you know, I would have a daydream every night that would come true. Um, just stuff like that. So I didn't, they were like one-offs. So it would happen. Um, I had a, had like a, um, a white circle, a glowing white circle moving around in my bed when I was 11. And so I've seen that white circle also uh, now that I'm older. So, yeah, but the things that would happen, they would be extremely, um, well, strange and something you couldn't put a label on. So you couldn't say, oh, I'm psychic. Oh, I'm, you know, anything, because there's just no label for it. And so, you know, I didn't tell people about it, but, um, yeah. And I do see ghosts sometimes, um, and mostly ghost cats, which I think is really strange. Hmm. Uh, when I was reading, reading Terry Lovelace's book, I saw a, uh, I saw quite a few ghosts when I was reading his book. And so, it's just some of these things are are strange. Um, so that's why I think when I did the, when I thought I was a medium for a while, or I do, I am a medium, but not practicing, I would see ghosts intermittently. So that's why I didn't know if I was a medium at that time, and I needed to, you know, sort that out so I could figure out why I had so many ghosts in my house. So, yes. So our interpretation, that would be very interesting, uh, our interpretation would be that you live in a place that the First Nations might call thin place. Uh, the boundaries of the parallel realities, if that is true, which we believe it is, uh, are so thin where you are, you're going to see people in other worlds, you're going to see, and, and, and whatever the aliens are that are coming in would find it easier to navigate through those membranes in a place like that. Now, th- that leads right into the next question that I had. You've lived in several different places, okay, California, now Arizona. Uh, were you... Did, did the geographical location mean anything as far as the the intensity or the frequency of these experiences? Um, they're more uh, they're more frequent here, actually. Okay. I mean, but uh, you know, like I said, well, when I lived in California, <clears throat> one of the things that happened to me, which um, 
was that, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> yeah, let me get something to drink. Yeah, it okay. happens to the best of us. You know, it's it's that yeah. time of year. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, when I lived in California, I had a um, experience, which I had when I was 10, and then nothing happened until I was 13, and then nothing. And then finally, when I was 16, uh, my parent, my dad moved us around all the time. Every year or two years, we would move. And so um, we would be, I, I, I was in my junior year of high school, and I started having this daydream, or, you know, night dream, I don't know. I was awake while it was happening, and it would be that I was moving to a foreign country. And I was like, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. Um, please, not that. I just have one more year, and then I'll be out of this school, and I won't have to worry about that anymore. <clears throat> so... When that happened, um, I had this daydream over and over, and then it came true that I moved. I spent my senior year in the Philippines. So, um, you know, that's just one of those weird things. But then when I moved to Arizona, it seemed to, you know, amplify everything. So I don't know. Arizona is a hot spot for a lot of activities, so it could be that. I don't know. Yeah. It's just hard to hard to explain. I mean, you're trying to, you know, find patterns and understand what things happened. Anytime a thing happens, you kind of rethink everything you thought before, and, you know, it's a difficult thing. Well, the thing I remember about Chandler myself is the uh, local sales tax we had to worry about when we were lecturing there and selling books. Uh, anyway, that's a more down-to-earth thing. Uh, but, but the... Um, Another question would be, since you retired, have you had more experiences than since before you retired? And the reason we ask is that when people are more, uh, have a little bit more leisure uh, and are not necessarily taken up with, with a daily schedule as much as they were before, sometimes they're more aware of things going on of this kind. Does that happen to you? Yes. Since I retired, there's a lot more activity, and I agree with you. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, your amount of free time. And um, also, you know, you can relax when you're working. I mean, you're working all the time. You don't. You only have a small amount of time to do everything. Um, so, yes, I have noticed that as well. Mm. One of the major downfalls of Western civilization <laughs> is uh, not standing still. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you have Tend to, to make yourself stand. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. you got to got to make got to make time for uh, stillness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, one final thought, because uh, we're almost out of time, uh, Lisa, is is that um, we often use that you only use the term once, advanced, but we have people use it all the time, and we assume that advancement means technological advancement, and uh, we're always saying, well, who was most advanced country in the 1930s? Well, Hitler's Germany. You know, what was that about? So, uh, personally, we would rather be involved with with uh, visitors or whoever who. Uh, are more advanced spiritually and and uh, psychologically and morally than cult than than technologically. Well, right. I mean, you know, for all of our our technological advancements, you know, advancements in medicine and all of that stuff, which is all great. You That's know? all fine. Yeah, lovely. But the one thing that has stayed constant forever since humans don't you know appeared on the face of the earth is the human condition has stayed exactly the same. Yeah, it has not changed. Right. So, Lisa, what would be, with that profound thought, what would be your final advice, final thought for our audience? Um, let's see. Now, a lot of pressure, huh? <laughs> I, yeah. 
I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, definitely fight back if you can. Because, you know, what are they, I'm saying, you know, that they're taking something from us, they don't know why, and uh, we don't know why, and they're not telling us, and they wipe our memories. I just feel like, you know, they have an agenda for us, and they're not willing to come clean about it, and so I would uh, fight back. And also, all the people who are contactees and say, this is all for good, this is all for good, I mean, they will still wipe your memory. So, I mean, I just want everyone to notice these things about them and not, and they're telling them that it's a good thing. Is it? Is it really a good thing? So, yeah. Mm. I try to be more aware and um, not take them at their, at face value. Just really well, pay attention. Just a final thought on technology. Uh, maybe we should, you know, you, you might want to, if you haven't already, set up some cameras, recording devices. I have. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, it looks like that's for another show because we're out of time. Okay. But Lisa O'Hara, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be in touch off the air. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, very good. Well, let's get to our announcements. Yes, uh, there are always announcements, especially now. And yes. I believe, uh, Dad, you have a special announcement. Yes, uh, our, our show, show. Um, <clears throat> now has its own app. It's quite bare bones, but... Uh, it just has most of our past shows and some, some links and, and that sort of thing uh, to the videos. But we plan to address uh, and, and add more features as we go. Uh, it should be in the Apple and Google online stores in a month or two, but there's a link at BehindTheParanormal.com if you'd like to download it now. It's a, if you go to the site on the main page. There's uh, off to the left, there are two links. One is for our main website, NewEnglandGhosts.com, and then right below that is the one for the app. So feel free to download it, and uh, it, it it does work. I mean, when we put the show on today or tomorrow, the, this recorded show, it'll pop up, and you'll be able to get it. <clears throat> so exactly. Pretty cool. Hey, hey you know, we're, we're being dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So you can check out our books along with those of our guest co-hosts at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can also find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and how to book us along with some of our 900-plus free recorded shows from our 12-plus years on the radio, including our uh, four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts, and our books are available in some stores and on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And we've reloaded recorded shows after several years of, of technical attacks and problems on the website. We've uh, reloaded the shows into the archives back to 2009. We're working on getting the rest of them in there. There are special shows, the Rendlesham series and that sort of thing. Uh, special interviews that were not broadcast, uh, are all, they'll all be there sooner or later. But you can find uh, what is there uh, at BehindTheParanormal.com, also on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, and more, which also carries the show live. Indeed, and our website has a charity page uh, with several links to good causes we have adopted on the show, uh, and we now have added a new charity, which is Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, run by our good friend Tom Spitaleri. Uh, other charities include USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, uh, Youth Mentoring Connections in Los Angeles, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, along with the Milk Fund here in northern Rhode Island. 
So, Ben, what's in the bread box for next week? Well, what's in the bread box, keeping that bread nice and fresh, uh, is on June 6th. Jeez, we're already in June. Uh, we'll have an encore from the mother and stepdaughter paranormal team, Pam Nance and Ashley Field, to continue our conversation about quantum ghost hunting. And we should point out, too, that that is our 13th anniversary show. Is it really? Yes, it is. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Lucky 13. 13 years. Wow. That's right. It'll be starting our 14th year. There we go. How so, do you feel about it, Dad? Old. That's, yes, same. <laughs> yes. Well, people listen to you grow up on the air. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was 15. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. We leave you today with a very down-to-earth thought from none other than the astronomer and UFO researcher J. Allen Hynek. As a scientist, I must be mindful of the past. All too often it has happened that matters of great value to science were overlooked because the new phenomenon did not fit the accepted scientific outlook at the time. Unquote. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.